KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Wednesday, February 8th. State utility regulators look into why natural gas prices were so high last month. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. The Board of Supervisors is calling for new bids to clean county buildings. The contract resulting from the bids will include rules that outline how employees are to be treated. This comes after janitorial workers held several protests over their treatment by the company who currently provides janitorial services to the county, NOVA. A county investigation found that NOVA retaliated against workers who were trying to form a union. Those workers who had been fired have been rehired. The county says NOVA can submit its own proposal. The county will develop a plan to help homeless veterans find a place to live. The plan will include input from community groups, government representatives, and people who have experienced homelessness. The county also plans to work with partners to find additional resources, remove housing barriers for veterans, offer vouchers, and match veterans with housing. Nearly 700 homeless veterans were counted in the county in last year's point-in-time count. A laptop battery pack caught on fire during a United Airlines flight yesterday. The fire started shortly after the plane took off from the San Diego airport. It was headed to New Jersey, but quickly turned around and headed back about 30 minutes after departing. According to the San Diego Fire Rescue Department, flight crew members stopped the fire from spreading by putting the burning battery pack into a fire-safe bag. After the plane made a safe emergency landing in San Diego, paramedics evaluated six people who reported respiratory issues from the smoke. The FAA plans to investigate the incident. From KPBS... You're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. California utility regulators are digging into the reasons for this winter's high natural gas prices. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has details. The California Public Utilities Commission pressed industry officials to explain the record-setting price hikes for natural gas. Utility bills for San Diego Gas and Electric customers rose the most, but Pacific Gas and Electric and Southern California Edison customers are also suffering. The sky-high bills had a dramatic impact on San Diego resident Patricia Baines, who spoke to the commission. I entirely shut my heater off. I keep all my lights off. I don't even try to put lights on. The CPUC doesn't directly regulate natural gas, but the high rates are impacting electricity prices, which the agency does watch closely. CPUC President Alice Bushing-Reynolds called the issue vital. 
frankly, we don't know all of the pieces of the puzzle, and this issue is critically important and needs to be examined further. The collection of industry and regulatory officials agreed that prices soared because of unseasonably cold weather, which drove a spike in demand. They also noted that there were pipeline constraints in the West and low storage levels before the winter season began. But the unprecedented price hike also raised questions for Marlon Santa Cruz of the Los Angeles Department of Power and Water. Why is it that the day after Senator Bradford sent a letter to the CPC calling for an investigation, prices were slashed in half from the $20 mark to the $10 mark? And as news was then brought on about Governor Newsom's letter being made public, now we stabilize at $5 as of yesterday. The CPUC indicated it is in contact with the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission to explore whether there's been any market manipulation. Meanwhile, natural gas prices fell this month and projections hint prices could fall again next month as demand eases. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Employees at La Mesa's largest employer have voted to unionize. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman has more on the new representation at Sharp Grossmont Hospital. San Diego's only East County hospital has voted to unionize more than 1,400 additional health care workers. Registered nurses are already represented. This new union covers a variety of positions, including certified nursing assistants, pharmacy technicians, and respiratory therapists. Haba Serrano is an emergency room technician at Sharp Grossmont Hospital. He voted to join SEIU United Healthcare Workers West, and he's hoping it will bring better pay and more staff. I'm walking through the hallways. People are hugging and smiling. They're, they're excited about this. A Sharp spokesperson issued a statement saying they have more than 1,700 open positions, and since the pandemic, filling them has been a challenge. They maintain wages are competitive and increased staff pay late last year. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. San Diego researchers have identified a new species of fish in the deep ocean waters near Costa Rica. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says an underwater video and some detective work gained the rare fish a scientific identity. Researchers were looking for large ocean mussels when they sent a robotic submarine 6,000 feet under the ocean surface. The target was the Heco Scar near Costa Rica. Uh, Charlotte Seed is the collection manager for benthic invertebrates at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography. It's an area where methane is coming up from the seafloor, but at a slightly higher temperature than the rest of the ocean, which apparently is enough to attract animals that normally only like it hot at hydrothermal vents. The researcher piloting the Schmidt Ocean Institute's unstaffed submersible has been here before, and it didn't take long to find prime mussel habitat among a minivan-sized tangle of worm shells. Seed points out the tangled habitat anchored on the seafloor in the video recorded by the dive team. This is a fantastic uh, group of tube worms. So these animals, each one, uh, looks sort of like a piece of pasta, but they're growing together. Uh, they're anchored in the sediment. They're getting energy from the chemicals and the microbes that live inside their tubes. Uh, and it's a great place to be a tube worm. Look at all of them. It's also where the team recorded video of the newly identified and pink eel pout. The color doesn't mean much on the ocean floor, 
where it's cold and dark. There's probably no need for it to look especially flashy or to have extraordinary camouflage. The fish looks like a small eel, and some species have a downturned mouth, reminding some of a sad, pouting fish. You can see they don't move very fast. They don't go too far from their homes. Right back into shelter. Seed says the fish lives on the ocean floor, and while the pink fish stands out on video, that color really can't be seen in the dark water. And they also haven't been seen outside of this geographically specific underwater habitat. Ben Frabel is the manager of one of the world's largest marine vertebrate collections located in San Diego. This section is kind of the group of fish, eel pouts, and their relatives. Uh, so as you can see, we have quite a lot of different species. He's showing us what's best described as a fish library. The shelves, floor to ceiling, are full of underwater creatures perfectly preserved in sealed jars. This was Frabel's first stop to identify the samples brought back by researchers in 2018. Since the samples didn't match up with anything, Frabel turned to published literature. I've taken a look, I'm going through the books, going through references, trying to match them up. They're not really resonating with anything I'm seeing. So Frabel reached out to a colleague in Denmark. Peter Raskmuller is the curator of the Danish Natural History Museum, and he's considered an authority on deep-sea bottom-living fishes. He immediately recognized it as this genus that has only been described in the last 20 years. It's called pyrolycus. It means pyro, fire, lycus, wolf. Raskmuller knew immediately the fish was something new. Frabel says that helps explain the lack of scales and the number and location of sensory pores on their bodies. Those pores are key to helping the fish find food. These animals are living in environments that are pitch black, so they're kind of relying on not just their eyes, but other, other organs for, for sensing movement and prey and food around them, so these are really important. There are only four samples available to researchers, two in San Diego and two in Denmark, and Frabel says it's a reminder of how little scientists know about life on the ocean floor findings are published in the current edition of the journal Zootaxia. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Coming up, a graduate from SDSU has been nominated for an Oscar. We'll have that story and more after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. A playground in southeastern San Diego was destroyed by a fire more than a year ago, and locals are frustrated with the city for taking so long to replace it. iNews Source reporter Crystal Niebla tells us more. In November 2021, a fire burned down a playground at Dennis V. Allen Park in the Mount Hope neighborhood in southeastern San Diego. City officials say they plan on installing a new one this spring, but residents like Dale Huntington say the lag time for the replacement is just another example of residents feeling like an afterthought. We continually don't have things like created for the kids in this community, like when 
the city does something special, it's going to be somewhere else. The city said it's taken time because its insurance adjuster needed to evaluate the damage and provide funding. For KPBS, I'm my news source reporter, Crystal Niebla. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Two weeks ago, SDSU graduate Leslie Patterson heard her name read as an Oscar nominee for Best Adapted Screenplay for All Quiet on the Western Front. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with Patterson about the long struggle to get the film made and how the nomination has changed her life. And now we have the first of the two award categories that honor writers. The first is Adapted Screenplay. The nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front. Screenplay by Edward Berger, Leslie Patterson, and Ian Stokel. So, Leslie, you have just received an Oscar nomination very early in your career. So how does that feel? Oh, it's incredible. I can't quite believe it. I keep on sort of pinching myself and almost like seeing it under my breath. It's, it really is sort of stuff of dreams, to be honest. Your part in this film goes beyond just writing the script. So tell us a little bit kind of about the origin of this project and kind of how long you've been pursuing it. Yeah, so I mean, we're executive producers on the project as well, which is a total honor because we've gotten nine Oscar nominations for the film, which is just unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, 16 years ago, my partner at the time, Ian Stokel and myself, you know, obviously loved the book. I'd read it in school, so had he. And we thought, I wonder if anyone has the rights to this because nobody has done it sort of in current time. And so we went on a little investigation to, to see if anyone did. And lo and behold, they didn't, which was an absolute shock because it's a, such a big title. So we pleaded with the estate, uh, gave them a sob story of, hey, we're just two lowly writers, but we have this great idea. We'd love to give this a bash. Please, please give us a shot. And they did. And so we embarked on this crazy journey, both to adapt the novel, but then to try and get it off the ground as, as producers. Well, and adapting something is very different from writing an original screenplay because you have to do this thing of securing rights. And Getting the rights to this crossed over into your career as an triathlete and explain kind of how one supported the other. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, obviously you have to pay to get an option to the rights of a novel like this, and it's not cheap. It's several thousands of dollars every year or every time you have to renew it. I was a professional triathlete in a, you know, obviously a small sport, so endorsements come, you know, 500 bucks here, 500 bucks there. So ultimately, as I started to do very well in the sport, then I got prize money and they would come in lump sums. So that proved to be a great way of actually supporting the payment of these options. And so pretty crazy stories along the way. The, the biggest one, of course, is, is when the option was almost due and, and I flew out to Costa Rica for a big race and was very, very fit, convinced I was going to get some good prize money to pay the option. And then the day before, I broke my shoulder, had a heart-to-heart -heart with my husband and figured out that we could probably have a bash at me just trying to get through the swim with one arm. My biking and running was so strong, maybe, just maybe, I could make some prize money to at least cover our expenses and hopefully earn something towards the payment. And lo and behold, I, I won the damn thing. So 
it was definitely an exercise in perseverance. And what was it in particular about the story that you connected with? Why did you want to tell this story? I think for me personally, it was the plight of these young soldiers. It was the betrayal of this youthful generation. And the fact that it's told from the perspective of a German who we have always seen to be the enemy growing up, you know, as a Brit, to see that this was the experience of all the young men, regardless of being an enemy, being an ally, that was irrelevant. So the betrayal from the higher brass is really what sort of got to me and, and made me very passionate about telling this from the other side. And how did you think that theme would connect with a contemporary audience? This younger generation that's coming up is a lot more aware than we maybe give them credit for. I wanted a film that really penetrated that generation with a message that's very poignant. And this is absolutely an anti-war film through and through. There is no hero. It is not an adventure. We've just had all of these young people reach out to us to say how much they appreciate this film. And, you know, we don't want to dumb down our audiences. And I think that the perspective is that, you know, oh, you know, young people only like comic book films or they only like, you know, comedies. And it's not true. I think we can have amazingly impactful uh, message-driven films that younger audiences want. And you actually have a connection here to San Diego, which is that you went to San Diego State and studied film. What was that like? Did you feel it was a benefit? What kind of things did that offer you? Oh, I absolutely loved my time at San Diego State. I was in the master's program for theater and film and had amazing professors. For me, it was going back to study the second time was a really beautiful thing because I think you can really just indulge in it. All of my professors were incredibly passionate and that passion really resonated with me and it sent me on this path to want to do film. That was Leslie Patterson speaking with KPBS's Beth Accomando. All Quiet on the Western Front is streaming on Netflix, but can be seen on the big screen at Landmark's Hillcrest Cinemas and Angelica Film Center. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening, and have a great Wednesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.